Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 141 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, I thought we'd do something that we've never done before, and I thought we'd feature some of the questions that I get in the private forum that the ladies who are in Flying Higher and Flying Free have access to. So what we do in the private forum is you can ask questions and get answers from myself or from some other coaches and from one another, actually. There's a lot of really wise women in that group. Um, And then you can also share your stories. You can um, share prayer requests. We talk about our faith journey. We talk about parenting. We have conversations about divorce and separation. We have conversations about staying. We have rants and raves. You can talk about, like you can share if you get a toxic text from your spouse or your ex or your soon-to-be ex, you can share it and people will chime in and let you know what their insights are. Just stuff like that. So it's kind of fun. But anyway, I thought what we would do is um, we get, I get a lot of questions in the forum and I spend a lot of time every day in the forum answering those questions and working with people. And, um, and by the way, I don't do that. You know, people will send me emails or they will, um, try to message me on Facebook and I don't, I don't have time to answer emails. I don't have time to really get into it on Facebook messenger, but, and the reason is because this is where I'm spending my time. I'm spending my time in this private forum with these women who are part of these programs. So if you want to um, have access to me and to some other coaches, I highly recommend that you join the program. This is the forum is just one of many uh, features in these programs that will be helpful to you, a helpful resource to you. So I'm going, and I'm not going to, when I share some of these questions, I'm going to leave out any information that, you know, anything that might actually expose these women to anyone on the outside. So I'm changing some of the words, I'm changing some of the facts about the question just so that we don't have any exposure of any of these women. All right. But we can get the gist of what their question is. And I promise you, most of you guys are going to be able to relate to some of these questions. Okay. So here's the first question. Um, This woman says, I feel I lack the strength to fight through this mess. I'm sad. I feel crazy. Like maybe I'm the problem. My situation is so covert. I just want to curl up and die. My life is wasted. I've lost everything. My kids have lost everything. I wasn't the mom I should have been. I had no joy. I don't feel loved. I've lost my faith. I've closed off the entrance of the lifeline to Jesus. That's a lot, isn't it? Can you relate? I'm pretty sure that a lot of you guys can relate. What I'm seeing here is a normal human brain stuck on a few destructive feedback loops, okay? And I think that, well, here's what I like to do. When I hear these kinds of sentences running through my own brain or someone else's brain, one of the very first questions that I like to ask is, what if I'm wrong about this? What if I'm wrong? Like, for example, you can take the sentence, um, I feel uh, that I lack the strength to fight through this mess. 
What if I'm wrong about that? What if I do have the strength to fight? I feel crazy, like maybe I'm the problem. What if I'm wrong about that? What if I'm not crazy? What if I'm actually pretty normal? Maybe I'm not the problem. I just want to curl up and die. Do I really want to curl up and die? Not really. I don't really want to die. What I'd like to, what I really want is, and then fill in the blank. You know, I, what I really want is I want to feel like someone cares or I want to feel like I can keep going or I want to feel like there's hope for my future. That's what I really want. I really don't want to die. I just want some hope. Do you see how when you start digging in and asking yourself questions, you can actually, you can start, you can get your brain off of the feedback loop and you can start going down a different track in your brain. All right. So that's the first thing I ask is what if I'm wrong about all of this? What if I'm just a normal human being having a normal human experience? I think some of us in survivor, survivor circles, we think that we are, that we're, you know, like this really unusual, that's really this unusual and heavy thing that we're going through. And well, it, it is a heavy thing, but it's definitely not unusual. It's actually pretty normal in the human experience to experience the kinds of things that we've experienced in our relationships. A lot of people possibly even most people have experienced what we've gone through to one degree or another. Now, maybe not as long-term as some of us. 25 years of a marriage is a long time. Maybe some of us were born into families where there was a lot of gaslighting and emotional abuse going on or even physical abuse going on. Okay, so Some of us maybe grew up in families like that and then got into a marriage like that and then maybe experienced that in our church or with some friends. And so it's just been a lifelong thing. But someone else maybe has experienced a taste of it. But most, if we're going to live life on planet Earth, most people are going to run into some dysfunction in the world. And there's going to be other human beings who don't handle themselves well and misbehave in ways that cause a lot of, that leave a lot of destruction in their wake. Okay. So I think saying, oh, this is, you know, this is so terrible. My whole life is wasted. I've lost everything. Really? I mean, I have, I've had that thought. So I know what that's like. It's totally normal to have that thought, but I like to stop and say, really? My life is wasted. I don't know. I've learned a whole lot of stuff that I know a lot of people don't know. Not sure it's wasted, but I definitely had a normal life experience. Some of it was pretty cool and some of it was really pretty horrible. And that's, that's what we bargain for when we live a life on planet earth. All right. Now, one of her thoughts was I'm not loved. And I have to say that is one of the most devastating thoughts. I've had that thought. I'm not loved. I had that thought when I was a little kid, a lot. I don't think anyone loves me. And I remember vividly the feeling that I get in my body when I think that. 
it fe- it hurts. Like it literally hurts in my gut. And, and I, um, it creates despair really in our bodies. And then we often take action in ways that are not loving to ourselves. So not only do we think the thought I'm not loved, but then we take actions to prove that we're not loved by doing things that are not loving to ourselves, not taking care of ourselves. People need to belong. We need to be connected. Without that feeling of belongingness and connection, people quite literally can die. Some people do. Um, I know a teenager who believes she's ugly. She's tall with long wavy hair and she's absolutely drop dead gorgeous. But she 100% fully believes that she's ugly. She kind of slouches a little bit because she's trying to hide. She thinks she's too tall. She wants to be like the other kids. And it doesn't matter what anyone tells her, her brain is totally invested in this belief that she is ugly and that she's too tall. Now, I think she's 100% wrong, but she refuses to see the evidence in front of her when she looks in the mirror because she believes this so strongly in her brain. Do you see the power of the thoughts in our brain? When we have these thoughts in our brain and they are on this loop, it is very difficult to get them off. It's difficult, but it's not, but it, it, but it's not hard. So what I mean by that is that it's simple. It's actually simple to get our brain off of the loop, but it's difficult. (laughs) What do I mean by that? All we have to do is decide. It is as simple as making a decision to change the thought by literally changing the sentence. Thoughts are just sentences, you guys. That's all they are. They are just sentences that we choose Actually, a lot of the sentences we don't choose, they're just our default sentences. But once we notice them, then we can grab them and choose different ones to replace the ones that we don't like that aren't serving us very well. So, so, okay. Remember when I read what all those things that she wrote, those were all sentences in her head. Those were all her default programming. I'm, I feel crazy. Maybe I'm the problem. My situation is so covert. I want to curl up and die. My life is wasted. I've lost everything. My kids have lost everything. I wasn't a good mom, blah, 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 blah. So all of those things, this is what I call a thought download where you sit down and you, you can set a timer for like five minutes. Otherwise, if you, if you just sit down and you go, Oh, I have to put down a thought download. It's like, when is this going to end? My my thoughts would just keep coming and I'll never be done with this. So I like to set a timer and just say, I'm just going to write down my thoughts for five minutes. Okay. Then my brain settles down. So you write down all these thoughts and then, and this is like going fishing. You put out the net and you get a bunch of fish. Those are your thoughts. And then what you do is you pick out one or two of those thoughts to look at more closely. All right. So and then and what you do then with that, that thought is you ask questions about that thought to figure out where it came from and why do we think that way and what would happen, what would our life be like if we let that thought go and we didn't believe it anymore. This opens our brains up to other possibilities. All right, so let's just take one of those thoughts that this woman shared. Let's take the thought, 
I closed off the lifeline to the love of Jesus. So the first thing I would ask then to myself, if I had written that down on my paper is, is that true? Have I closed off the lifeline to the love of Jesus? Can people do that? Is that even possible? Is there a lifeline to the love of Jesus that can be cut off? How do you cut it off? Is the love of Jesus that impotent that it can be easily cut off? Or is it hard to cut off? What did I do to cut it off? What happens next if I've cut off the love of Jesus? What happens to other people when they cut off the love? Just You just kind of keep asking yourself these questions and dig into it a little bit. And what it often does is it shows your brain the, it shows your brain that it's kind of, kind of ludicrous. Some of the things that the brain wants to believe. A lot of these thoughts are things that the brain believes because they've believed them since they were a kid, since we were kids. We don't know where, we don't even know where these thoughts came from. And we need to just stop and think about them. Really? Really brain? Is this really true? This thought isn't even true, but her brain is looping on it. Now, have you ever had some version of this thought? I have. God doesn't love me. I used to think, I remember sitting in church one Sunday and we were having communion and my ex-husband, my husband at the time, and I had had an altercation that morning before church. Raise your hand if you've, that's ever happened to you. And I was sitting in church and I couldn't take communion because I believed and my church believe, taught me that if you had any sin in your life, that you couldn't take communion because you'd be, you know, that was like blasphemous. So I knew that I couldn't take communion because I had been upset with my husband that morning. My husband took communion every time that it came around. It didn't matter what he had said or done to me or to the kids. He always took communion because he never, in his mind, he never did anything wrong. Everything was always my fault. But I, I always, you know, took responsibility for everything. And so I didn't take communion. I remember that Sunday thinking to myself, I must be a Christian wannabe. So I used to go to Bethlehem Baptist. It was John Piper's church. He was the pastor at the time. And he, he taught that this belief that God picked who would belong to him and who wouldn't. And so I thought I had this horrifying, I mean, I literally felt like I was falling into an abyss when I realized I perhaps am one of those Christians, and you guys, I had loved Jesus since I was seven, like with a passion, like telling everyone I knew about Jesus. I was voted most likely to become a nun my senior year. All right. So that's how, you know, quote unquote religious I was and how open I was about my faith. And here I was in my forties thinking I must be a Christian wannabe. Maybe I've always only wanted to know Jesus and to love him and to belong to him, but God hasn't chosen me. I'm not one of his chosen ones. And I wept and I was devastated. Okay. So I have had that version of that thought. I closed off the lifeline to the love of Jesus. I didn't know how I just thought, uh, no, you know, it, uh, back, back then I believed that nobody was worthy of the love of God and that we were all just wretched 
disgusting little worms that you may, I remember reading in high school, uh, Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And we were like the little spider that, that God was holding over the open flames, you know, with a diabolical look on his face, like I could drop you into these flames at any moment. I mean, when I think back on the things that it was such, and it was so confusing because I, I didn't, I loved God so much and I trusted him and he was really my best friend during many years when I was, um, I experienced some pretty bad bullying for several years in grade school and junior high. And God was my, Jesus was my best friend. And we were so tight during those years. He was my everything. I used to stare out the bus window when the boys were calling me names or sometimes get sitting next to me and pushing me against the edge of the bus or throwing mud at me or smearing my coat with mud. And I would sit and I would stare out the window while, while they were doing that to me. And I would think over and over in my head, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And you guys, I believed it. I believed it. I loved Jesus and he was my strength. That was in my brain. And then somehow, you know, 30 years later, I'm sitting in church wondering if I was a Christian wannabe because of the horrible theology this church taught, which is, which is just so spiritually abusive and the way I was being treated at home by my husband. So pretty sad. But anyway, I had to just stop and think, you know, what, what is the upside to believing that? There's no upside to believing that, that it doesn't motivate me. That doesn't make me a better wife or a better mother or a better friend. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. All that does is destroys me and everyone around me. That thought didn't encourage me or motivate me to live the amazing life that God gave to me. It didn't help me to lean into the love and the grace of Jesus Christ that was mine, that was all mine for the taking, and I was swimming in it. But because I didn't believe it in that moment, I was falling in a black abyss. But the reality was that I was held. Nobody was dangling me over the, over the open flames, but God was holding me. I was his little lamb. He was holding me in his arms and just loving me while I was having a pretty bad nightmare. Have you ever held one of your kids when they're having a nightmare? And you know they're safe in your arms and everything is okay, but they're still kind of in the nightmare. They fully believe that they're in danger and they're scared and they're sad and they don't know. They think they're all alone, but you're right there holding them. And you know, I love you so much. I'm right here. And you just kind of have to wait for them to wake up. Anyway, I recommended that this woman start looking in the mirror three times a day. And I have, I do this. I don't do it three times a day, but I do it when I look in the mirror. I look in the mirror quite often. (laughs) I look in the mirror all the time, you guys. No, every time I look in the mirror to get ready for the day or when I'm getting ready for bed and I'll talk to myself. And one of the things I recommended that she say out loud to herself is, I love you and I have your back and Jesus loves you. And he has your back. You are a precious woman. You deserve to be taken care of. And I'm going to take good care of you from now on. I promise. 
Now, that does a couple of things. First of all, when you are looking, when your eyes are looking into your other eyes, your brain, your physical brain doesn't understand that you are yourself talking to you. It picks up on the your facial expression and the tone of your voice, and it picks up on that and it reflects back and it thinks that someone is encouraging it and it actually feels better. Smile at yourself in the mirror. You will notice a significant shift in your body and in how you feel. Try it. Smile at yourself in the mirror and talk nice to yourself. Okay. And start doing that a lot. If nobody else is doing this for you, you've got to do this for yourself. All right. Just start there. Just start with telling yourself the truth three times a day or every time you look in a mirror, do that. Then when one of those thoughts comes to your brain or that thought comes to your brain, yeah, I closed off the lifeline to the love of Jesus. At least give equal airtime to a different thought that could also be true. Okay. You know, you could even say, yeah, well, maybe I did. Maybe I can, maybe we can cut off the lifeline to the love of Jesus. And maybe I did, but you know what? Maybe I didn't. Maybe it's possible that, that, that there is no way that anyone can cut off the lifeline from the love of Jesus. Maybe that lifeline is stronger than human beings. Maybe the love of Jesus is bigger than me or my circumstances. A thought like that can create an, an incredible feeling in your body. And your body is counting on you to help it heal. I always say, no one, I, I finally, I was waiting for years for someone to rescue me, you guys. And God, I remember sitting on the floor of a hotel room and God saying, Natalie, Natalie, look at me. <laughs> Natalie, I gave, I did give someone to you to rescue you. I gave you to you to rescue you. Okay. You're the one. You're the one. Now do what I have given, do the job I've given you to do. And I got up from that hotel room and I did. And my life has not been the same ever since. So, um, I highly recommend, I highly recommend that, that you help yourself and you are helping yourself by listening to this podcast by getting truth, you're helping yourself. So kudos to you. All right. We, that conversation kind of, um, kept going a little bit and she came back and she talked about how she said, I think I'm just, I'm deconstructing some things about my faith. And I'm wondering if some of the Jesus moments that I've had in the past were manufactured by emotions in my mind. Those moments were life-giving or so I thought maybe they just simply perpetuated my denial. All right. So I want to talk just a little bit about faith because faith is really just deciding what you are going to believe. It's as simple as that. When we choose to believe in a loving and powerful creator, it's going to create amazing things in our lives. And then that of course is going to turn around and create amazing things in the world. And I believe that God set it up like that in our brains. So we link our universe. And when I say universe, I'm talking about our brain because our brain is like this little universe inside our skull. We, in fact, if you look at pictures, you can actually Google this and find pictures of the brain 
uh, you know, the synapses that, and the neuron connections in the brain. And it actually looks like the unit, like pictures from the space Hubble or the, what's it called? Hubble space, whatever from the universe. Okay. It's, it's really crazy and cool. So we link our universe, our brain into his. Now they're already linked. You guys, we are already inextricably connected to our creator, but we don't get to experience the fullness of that link in our bodies and our emotions until we believe, believe that's faith. And that is a choice that we have the privilege of making. Now I talk about this in great detail in episodes 105 and 107 of the Flying Free podcast. It's like a part one and a part two, and there's 106 is a, a interview that I did, so it kind of interrupts those two episodes. But if you go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 105, that will take you to episode 105. And if you go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 107, that will take you to episodes episode 107, or you can just go to Apple iTunes and look for it there. But those are the two episodes where I talk about this, and I highly recommend that you go and listen to those if you have not already, or go and review them, because they are probably, in my personal opinion, two of the life, two of the most life-changing, um, important principles that you will ever hear on this podcast. The power of faith and the power to choose what we will believe is incredible. So actually, yes, those Jesus moments that you had, they did start in your brain with your belief. And that created feelings in your body, which built faith momentum. And when, so when we think something, our brain is going to start noticing all of the things that would that will prove our thought. All right. So if we say, if we say, I believe that God is with me, our brain is going to start noticing, it's going to start picking up on the evidence that God is with us. One of the things, and you can do this, like, I, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but one of the things I decided to do was every time I saw a red cardinal, it was going to be God's, or a butterfly, it was going to be God's way of saying, I'm here with you, Natalie, and I love you, and I see you. And you would not believe how I started noticing red cardinals and butterflies all over the place, like in stores and outside, and I started decorating with them in my house. If you come over, you'll see butterflies and red cardinals in different places of my house. Um, And so... That's just kind of a little practical way of keeping your brain focused on what you want to choose to believe. And the reverse can happen as well. If you are telling yourself, there must not be a God, he must not love me, God must have abandoned me because I'm stuck and everything looks so hopeless, then guess what's going to happen, you guys? Your brain is going to look for evidence of that. Things are going to happen that would have happened otherwise, and you're going to interpret them as, oh, look at that. God must not love me anymore. See, that just happened, and it proves it. 
you're going to frame the whole experience and spin it in such a way that it's going to be evidence for what you believe, that he doesn't love you, which is going to send you deeper. It's going to more deeply embed that belief in your brain, which will also more deeply embed those emotions of despair in your body. It's a very, very vicious cycle downward. So do you see how you can either cycle up or down? And the incredible thing is that you get to decide. You just get to decide. And you can say, well, I just don't know how. Sure you do. We all make this, if you're, if you're deciding to go one direction, like go down, then you do know how to decide. (laughs) Everyone decides, even small children know how to decide. It's not difficult to decide. It is as simple as looking in the mirror and saying, I am going to decide to believe this. Why? Because it serves me better because it makes my life better. And you know what? If I die and find out that I was wrong, oh well. At least I lived an amazing life. If you're a woman of faith in a confusing and painful marriage who feels like you're just a shadow of the woman you could be, I'd like to help you change that. Five years ago, I developed a comprehensive program that has helped hundreds of Christian women wake up to their reality and live powerfully within it as the adult women God created them to be. The Flying Free program uses transformational coaching, workshops, classes, and a close-knit community of women to support you on your journey. We will help you identify the problems and figure out what you can and can't do so that you can be empowered to move forward into the life you were meant to live. Imagine a deep dish apple pie with caramel, walnuts, and vanilla ice cream on top. Members have said that this podcast is like a little taste of the vanilla ice cream, but the Flying Free program is the whole delicious slice of pie in all its glory. You'll never know what you're missing until you can bite into the whole thing. You can get all the details, including reviews, facts, and everything that comes with the program by going to joinflyingfree.com. I'll see you on the inside. Okay. All right. I want to offer you that if you consider that our thoughts create our feelings and you aren't feeling like God is near you right now, It's because your brain is giving all of the airtime to some version of this thought. God isn't near me. I'm alone. I have nobody. And so naturally, your body is going to feel that emotion of isolation and aloneness. And then your brain is going to say, see, see, proof that what I think is true. And that's the vicious cycle. If you want and only if you want to. You can change how you feel by intentionally selecting new thoughts and practicing them. I always say, I say this a lot, at least give equal airtime to some new and better thoughts that are going to serve you better. Okay. So for example, when your brain's programming says, I'm all alone, even God isn't with me, just stop and notice that. That's interesting. Don't judge it. Don't go, oh my word, there I go again. Oh, I'm so stupid thinking that stupid thought. No, don't do that. That just shuts us down. Judgment, you guys, judgment does not help anybody. It doesn't. It doesn't change anybody's mind and it certainly doesn't change ours. Just stop and notice it and go, well, look at that. There, That's interesting. There's that thought again that my brain likes to go to. And just say, you know, brain, maybe you are all alone. Maybe God isn't with you, but... You could be wrong about that. 
What if he's actually closer to me than ever before? Or or you could say, I know I'm wrong about that. God keeps his promises and he's promised never to forsake me. He is my best and most faithful friend and companion. And I love to know that he is here with me right now. Also, remember that our brains don't know the difference between reality and fantasy. You guys, that's why so many women stay stuck for so long, because we just think we're just constantly so used to thinking about this imaginary version of the person that we married, this person with all this potential that he ended up not being that person, but we, our brain is still stuck on thinking that's who he is. And so the brain thinks that's reality. He's that, that fantasy we've created in our minds, our brain literally believes that's real. But you can use this brain feature to your advantage by using your imagination to imagine Jesus being with you. If you can't feel him, why not imagine him with you? I do this all the time, you guys. There's this place where I meet Jesus in my imagination and I meet him by a stream. I've got this whole thing in my head. We sit on this old tree that's fallen down and it makes a really nice seating place. I put my head on his shoulder and we just sit quietly. And I imagine the sounds of the stream. I imagine the sound of, you know, birds and frogs and like the breeze blowing through the leaves of the, tr- the tree. And when I do this in my brain, my body feels close to God. I create this. And I believe that it is good because my brain, my universe, the universe between my two ears is connected to the spirit of God, to the brain of God. And this is how I connect with him. One of the ways I connect with him. I like to imagine this spirit aspect of God encompassing my child and me in the same space, even when my child isn't with me. I imagine that we're always together. I, um, there was another woman in the forum who actually, I think it was the same one whose, um, children had gone off or one child had gone off to college, I think. And she was feeling just so alone and sad about that. And I was thinking about this in regards to that as well. Um, that this, my child, well, I, I have a, he's, he's going to be going off to, he actually did go off to college and then he came back and decided he was going to do um, online. And then he's going to go to college in January. But so I got, I did get mine back, but I also had a daughter who moved out and she got married this summer. So she moved out and that was really sad and hard for me as well. But I imagine her still being in my same space where God has his arms around all of us. And I have a couple of other older kids too, that don't, that are either married or on their own. And that's how I imagine that. And it makes me feel good. It makes my body feel close to my children and to God. And I like it. And you know what? Someone could come along and say, that's so stupid and that's not true. And I would just say, okay, (laughs) whatever makes me feel good. So I'm going to keep those thoughts. I'm going to keep those beliefs because I like them. They make me happy. And I am sorry, but I want to be happy. I don't want to, I don't want to be sad all the time. Now there are times I do want to be sad, 
But when I think about my kids who are growing up and spreading their wings and flying, I actually want to feel happy about that and good about that. All right, you guys, I was going (laughs) to, when I started off this podcast, I was thinking, oh, I'll just like do five or six, you know, questions from the forum. I think I did two. And I think it was all the same person. So um, all the same, but but at least you can see like some of the conversations that we have in some of the places that we go. And maybe we'll do this again in a future podcast. Um, If you are interested in being part of this forum and interacting with all these incredible women who are doing this hard work together, then go visit joinflyingfree.com. And there's an app, you'll, you can learn all the details. There's all the information is there, how much it costs, what is involved, what you get out of it. Um, there's a lot, tons of reviews over there on that page. And then you would need to go through an application process now. So you'd fill out an application and then we send you some goodies in the mail when you do that. And then when we open it up next, we send you an invitation to join. Now, here's the thing you get one invitation to join every six months. So if you don't accept your invitation, you will not get another invitation for six months. And the reason for that is because we want people to really, really be ready to join. We don't want you to come in if you're kind of, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this or not. Don't, we don't want you to join then. You're not ready. We want you to be like, we want you to be, you know how when you're really, really hungry and you haven't eaten anything for a couple of days, maybe you're on a little fat, like an intermittent fast or something, and you are going to sit down to a delicious like rotisserie chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and green beans and all the, the whole works. Okay. Or maybe a turkey, like a turkey Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. All right. And you're starving and you just can't wait to dig into that first bite of turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy all together with some cranberries on the side. That's how we want you to feel about joining this program, that you cannot wait to get in and take your first bite because it is pretty amazing. But you know what? If you're already kind of stuffed and you're not very hungry and you sit down to a turkey dinner, it's like, meh, you're not going to really appreciate it and love it and need it the way you're going to need it if you're really hungry for it. So if you don't accept your invitation, when after you've gone through the entire process of filling out the application and waiting, then you'll have to wait for six months because we want you to be really, really hungry for the program, okay? Now, Flying Free is for you if you are a woman of faith and you are in a marriage that is painful and confusing. We're going to help you with all the stuff. We're going to help you get strong, If you like this podcast, this podcast is kind of a little bit of a taste of what's inside, but we do a lot of, a lot more deeper work inside the Flying Free program. And then if you're a woman of faith who's already divorced, then I recommend that you join Flying Higher. You have to be divorced to join Flying Higher though. So if you're still in the middle of your divorce, people ask me this a lot. Well, I'm in the middle of my divorce. Can I join Flying Higher? And I mean, you can, but I don't recommend it. Flying free will really support you through that divorce process if you are going through a divorce. We'll also support you if you are staying in your, in your relationship. But flying higher is, we don't talk about abuse much in flying higher, hardly at all, because people are out of their relationships now. 
And we don't talk about divorce. We do not support you through your divorce process. If you join Flying Higher and you're still in the process, we love you to pieces, but we're not going to be coaching you on that or anything like that because that's in the Flying Free group. Flying Hires for Christian women who are already divorced and you're rebuilding. You could be divorced and remarried. And that's still rebuilding. We can talk about your new relationship. We can talk about, uh, we talk about kids a lot in there and adult children. And we talk about career growth and we talk about finances and we talk about physical, our physical health and, um, all the things. So organization and what are some other things? Uh, Emotional adulthood. We've had some really great courses in flying higher So if you want to join that, there's an application process for that too. And it's the same thing. You just go to joinflyinghire.com instead of joinflyingfree.com and you fill out an application and then there's a little bit of a longer wait for flying higher. But, um, once we send you an invitation, you will have that small window of time to join. And if you don't join, then you'll need to, you'll get put on a you'll get put on hold for six months as well. So again, we want people to be ready to join these programs and do the work. And and that creates a community of people too that are all in and that it makes it for a really dynamic, active, um, a lot of energy in those communities. And I like that. I, I, I love that. So if that's you and you wanna be part of something like that, We'd love to have you. You guys, that is all I have for you for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, fly free.